small voice today. Would you open us to change and growth that we may walk joyfully with you? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so today is the fifth Sunday of Lent, which is a season of reflection and preparation before Easter. And we're in this series, A Table in the Wilderness. And last week, we heard Spencer share the good news that living in the light, going through our sin, uh, leads us to God's redemption. Today, our passage comes from John 12. And I'm just going to reread a portion of it for us to begin. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my Father will also be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Friends, today, in our desire to hang on to our life, the good news is that in letting go, in dying to ourselves, and joining Jesus on the path to the cross, we find resurrection life. Life in all of its fullness. Life without limit. The abundant life of the kingdom. So, for all of you who are into gardening... Uh, and plants. I don't know if you guys know, there's a new plant rage, house plant rage. Um, You go to Target, you go to Menards, you see them all over the place. They're succulents. Does anybody have a succulent plant? (laughs) A few of us do. Yes, so a while ago, Mallory gave me a cutting from her succulent plant. And it's kind of cool because all you do is take a leaf off of the succulent plant, put it on top of the dirt, and just spritz it with water, and eventually a whole new plant grows out of just the leaf. Uh, So that has happened, and I like to joke and tell Mallory that she's now essentially a succulent grandma, because now we've got, you know, we've got succulent kids going on. So recently, my daughter, Raina, uh, bought her first succulent plant. It's her first house plant ever. She was super excited about it. And I didn't know this, but over the winter, what typically happens to succulent plants is they start to grow really tall and lanky because they're reaching for the sunlight, and we don't have as much sun in the wintertime. So, you know, they grow tall and lanky, kind of like a middle school boy. (laughs) And ours were doing that. They were super tall and stretching over to the side. Uh, and I read up on it how to fix this, because it was looking a little, a little ugly, honestly. Um, and all you do is you cut it at the bottom, take off the leaves so that there's a stem, stick it down into the ground, and the original plant just continues to grow. But now it's like the normal length. So in, again, with those leaves, you just put them in new pots, spritz them, and multiplication happens. You've got all these succulent plants. So one day, I had taken Raina's plant while she was at school. I cut it off and did all of that. And she got home, and I was like, Raina, I I fixed your succulent plant. I cut it off. And she goes, Mom, what? (laughs) She panicked because she thought her first house plant was gone. Like her baby, her baby plant, you know, it was, it is no longer, it had, it had killed, and her mom had killed it. <laughs> so after reassuring her, um, you know, everything was fine and, and our plants are doing much better. They look a lot better. And uh, 
But she, she was having this feeling of loss, right? I remember one time I had misplaced my journal. You know, I had all this stuff written in there. I had misplaced, like, I literally almost went into a panic attack. <laughs> I could not find it anywhere. And there was just this sense of loss. Like, I could not find it anywhere. Can you guys relate, though, to moments like that? Moments of loss? Moments where, uh, you know, you lose something that's really important to you. Moments where it feels like something's been taken away from you. You know, perhaps you've been downsized by your job. Perhaps your parents tell you that you're moving and you lose all your friends. And you have to start over. Things perhaps aren't turning out how you had hoped they would be. There's a sense of loss in that. Sometimes we feel trapped when we are experiencing loss. But can you relate to those feelings of loss and panic? That fear of what it, what it feels like when you have a loss of life. And in our passage today, Jesus is saying anyone who holds on to life as it is actually loses it. He says that there's a way to life in the kingdom of God, but it's through death. He's saying that there's a death that actually leads to life, which is it's counterintuitive. It's like, what do you mean? Choosing death in order to find life? That doesn't make sense. Like what runs through my mind immediately when I hear that, when I hear this passage is nervousness, is fear of like, okay, what, what do I need to give up? Like what am I going to lose? What's going to happen? I notice that everything within me like fights to let go. I want to hang on. I resist loss. I definitely avoid death. <laughs> I want to uh, keep and preserve my life, because I kind of like my life. But I notice that I, I feel like I have to hold on because it seems like nobody else is looking out for me, so I've got to do it. And during Lent, there can be a lot of talk about uh, self-denial. We do fasting, we do um, things that we're giving up, we're letting go of, we're sacrificing. And Lent is kind of like a death. It's saying, I'm not going to experience this hunger, this craving, this desire. I'm not going to get what I want. So it's kind of like a little death. And for a lot of us, there can be fear in that. The question comes up for me, is there life on the other side of not getting what I want? And I can doubt that I can really trust that God is going to bring me life on the other side. It feels like if I release my grip on my needs, my desires, my wants, my dreams, what is going to be left if I let go? If I let go, am I just going to disappear and be lost? What's going to be left? For some of us, we've had abusive leadership use this passage as a means of, of control and manipulation. We've been told, you need to go to the cross, you need to deny yourself, you need to let go and sacrifice. But they've done it as a way of control and manipulation. And so it can be difficult for us to hear this passage. But just a side note, friends, when someone in power asks you to sacrifice for their benefit so that they can maintain power and privilege, that's not the way of the cross. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. But for those of us that have heard that, 
it can lead to a certain kind of distrust that whenever we hear echoes of that, um, we can end up feeling that sense of distrust. So we almost hold on tighter to our life for fear of, of being manipulated again or taken advantage of again. So what is Jesus really saying here? I mean, is he saying, like, I have to start hating my life? So I've got to, you know, start finding ways to hate it, to ruthlessly deny all my desires, all my wants, give away everything I own, um, die to everything and resist everything good. Is that what he's really saying? Is it even possible or is he just inviting us into something that is unreachable and impossible? Friends, in our desire to hang on to our life, the good news today is that in letting go, in dying to ourselves, and joining Jesus on the path to the cross, we find resurrection life. Life in all of its fullness, life without limit, the abundant life of the kingdom. So let's walk through the text a little bit and dive a little bit deeper and hopefully find out what Jesus is saying and what he's not saying. Now, to begin, this, this chapter, this portion, kind of serves as a bridge chapter between everything that had happened and everything that will happen in the remainder of the book. So this passage is kind of a, a center point of the gospel. It's a turning point, for sure, of the whole story. Jesus, as you guys remember, had just come riding into Jerusalem on the donkey, uh, the crowd was waving palm branches, they were shouting out, blessed is the king of Israel, and it said that many people came out to see him. And this really peeved the, the Pharisees. <laughs> they were saying, see, this is getting us nowhere, look at how the whole world has gone after him, which is prophesying, really, because next, in our passage, it says the Greeks come, who were Gentiles. The whole world comes after him, even the Greeks. The Greeks are coming after him, and they want to see Jesus. And it's interesting because the Greeks believed that the truth about things was revealed through their eyes, through seeing. So they wanted to see Jesus. Perhaps they saw him as a celebrity Perhaps they wanted to get his autograph or a selfie. Who knows what was happening there? And, and the disciples don't really have an efficient system for pastoral appointments yet because they kind of play phone tag with, you know, down the line to Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew, and then Andrew and Philip went to tell Jesus. And it doesn't even really seem to phase Jesus. We don't really know if he has addressed these Greeks or not. He just starts saying, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And remember, earlier throughout the Gospels, there are many times where he says things like, my time is not yet come. The hour is not yet here. But now, for the first time, we hear, this is it. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. This is what they had been all waiting for. The time had now come. However, not in the way that they thought it would. The primary accent on this passage is the way of the cross. Jesus was, is essentially naming the path that he's on, and he's naming the path that we're all invited into as well. So in verse 24, it says, Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. 
Anyone who loves their life will lose it. Anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it. And there's tons of parallels here, right? The, Jesus is the seed that falls to the ground and, and dies. That's what he's saying there. And he's saying, if I choose to love my life, I'm refusing to let that kernel of wheat die. And the net result is going to be that it remains a single seed. It never moves into anything else. Which is the equivalent of losing his life, he says. And we're all like the seeds as well. But in this, Jesus goes first. He doesn't have us go first and sort of figure it all out on our own. He goes first, showing us the way. He's saying, I'm going to die, and you're invited to follow. And there's all these paradoxes in this passage as well. The hour of his death is the hour of glory. The death of the wheat is the condition of fruitfulness. Whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life actually preserves it. But friends, we don't deny ourselves and walk towards the cross because pain is good or bad things are good. We do it because that's where Jesus went. And he calls us and invites us to follow him. And it's in that following that we trust him and find that he meets us and enables us. His death enables our death. So next he says, whoever serves me must follow me. Where I am, my servant will also be. So he goes first onto the cross, which opens up the way for us, opens up the way of salvation for each of us. And so now we're participating in the death of the cross and the life of the cross. See, he didn't go to the cross so that we didn't have to, but he went there so that we can join him. His death enables ours. So we go knowing that it's not the end. Just like Jesus, there's resurrection on the other side. Next, it says that his soul was troubled. You see this ache. You see this struggle in this passage, which showing this portrait of, like, he's sharing our humanity. He understands how difficult it is to let go. But nevertheless, he submits to the Father, says, Father, glorify your name, which is essentially, Father, let your will be done. And there's a deep, deep irony here. Jesus is going to be exalted in a position of honor, but on the other hand, he's exalted by the way of the cross. He's going to be lifted up, physically lifted up on a cross. They nail him down at the laying down and then lift him up. And in that lifting, he's going to be lifted up before all the world. And remember the cross a few weeks ago, I think Ben mentioned, the cross was the epitome of shame in the Roman world. It's funny that we wear crosses around our necks today. It would be like in our day wearing a little electric chairs or you know, the table where they administer uh, the, the poison that ends up killing people when they're on death row. It'd be like wearing that around our, around our necks. But this shame becomes Jesus's honor and glory. So next the father speaks. There's, there's some confusion. They're not sure if it's an angel, if it's thunder. They're a little bit confused. And Jesus responds and says, this voice was, not, was for your benefit, not mine. 
Now is the time of judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. See, in this moment, Jesus' glorification is coming. He's saying that the spiritual ruler of the world will be convicted, evicted, and cast out. And the irony is that Satan would be defeated and dislodged from his place of authority, and Jesus would be glorified and exalted through the cross. That Satan's activity would actually undermine the devil himself. And through his death, he draws us all. He draws us all to him and is multiplied. His life is multiplied through us. Friends, in our desire to hang on to our life, the good news is that in letting go, in dying to ourselves, and joining him on the path to the cross, we find resurrection life. Now back to the succulent plants. Succulent plants are drought-resistant plants. We had taken a trip a little bit ago to California, and they grow everywhere. It's just all sorts of varieties, and it's, they're just beautiful plants, but they're drought-resistant. They live in sort of arid, dry places, and their leaves look differently than, you know, the leaves that we're used to, thin, kind of floppy leaves. Their leaves are more normally thickened and sort of even fleshy-looking, and that's because they have a water-storing tissue inside. So they gather and store water in their leaves. And the word succulent in Latin actually means uh, juice or sap. See, the succulent plant doesn't have to fear losing its leaves or even fear death because it can store water inside of itself, because of what, has, because of what it has inside. And it's similar for us because of what we have, because of what Jesus did first opened up the path of salvation to us. And we don't have to be afraid because of that, because we know what's on the other side. It's like we got the Jesus juice. <laughs> I really did say that. <laughs> but Christ always compels us and strengthens us to go to the cross. He went for the joy set before him. And we go as well, following for the joy set before us, trusting the way of the cross, trusting that resurrection is on the other side. So the cross is the means of our salvation, and it's how we live it. And truly, it is a continuing act of faith to do this. I feel it every single day. I want to hang on to that seed. I don't want to let it go. I don't want to let it fall to the ground. My relationships, my marriage, my family, our business, our church, <laughs> all of that. But everything in life starts as a seed. And nothing happens until the seed is planted. Till it's let go. Till it falls to the ground and dies. So planting is very much an act of faith. I want to read this quote from uh, a guy named Frederick Beekner that I found to be a really interesting perspective on this. He says, think about the experience of love. When you love somebody, it is no longer yourself who is the center of your own universe. It is the one you love who is. And in that, you forget yourself. You deny yourself. You give of yourself so that 
by all the rules of logic, there should be less of yourself than there was to start with. Only by a curious paradox is there more. And you feel that at last you really are yourself. And the experience of salvation involves the same paradox. Jesus put it like this, those who find their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. You give up your old self-seeking self for somebody you love, and thereby become yourself at last. You die with Christ so that you can rise with him. See, I can spend all of my energy maintaining and securing and managing and controlling and protecting my life and holding on to life as I presently know it, being driven by getting what I want. But when I choose that, I remain locked. I remain locked within the present limitations of my life. Or I can choose to follow Jesus to the path of the cross and enter into this new reality, the reality of the kingdom, this pattern that Jesus sets for us. And that by letting go and walking in the way of the cross, I actually become my true self. I find real life. And I die with Christ so that I can rise with him. Friends, in our desire to hang on to our life, the good news today is that in letting go, letting go of our lives and dying to ourselves, joining Jesus on the path to the cross, we find resurrection life. Life in all of its fullness. Life without limit, the abundant life of the kingdom. So what does this bring up for you today? What area is difficult for you to hang on to? Where do you feel most the threat of loss? And how can you let go, trusting that there's abundant life on the other side, that there is resurrection? I want to just invite us into a time of reflection and response to that. And I would love for us to hold those things before the Lord. And for some of us, it might be a real struggle. But to hold those things before the Lord and release them to him. Because he's with us and there is resurrection on the other side. So if you want to grab your booklets, there's a prayer in there that we're going to use. It says, Faithful Father, I choose to release and lay down and then you can fill in the blank there. I trust that you are with me and will bring the resurrection life of your kingdom. And then you can say, Lord, in your mercy, and we'll stand with you in that. As ones that know how difficult it is to let go, we'll stand with you in that. And then we'll respond with here our prayer. So to start, let's have a moment of silence, and then I'll lead us off, and we'll pray together.